Hello, and welcome to another episode of Starside Chat. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Owens, and joining me as always is Aaron Capo. Hello. And I have a question for you, as as sometimes I like to do. We do like a conversation starter. Yeah. I want you to predict Nintendo's next console. It's impossible, but I want you to try. (laughs) Like, what do you think they need to do for their next console? Since we're obviously not getting a Switch Pro. But we're probably like a year or two away from whatever their next console generation is. You know what I miss about old school uh, Nintendo stuff? And I feel like they're good about like recognizing nostalgia is the fold. We're getting into folding devices with phones. Mm, Yeah. I think a like uh, an interesting I don't know how it would work because I think regardless of whatever the next thing is going to be, it will be a hybrid between TV and mobile. Um, but I could see the mobile version unfolding in an interesting way. Uh, so maybe like a, a switch flip, a flip to switch kind of a thing. That's that's my prediction. Well, yeah. What if they did sort of like try to almost redesign like the 3ds as like a foldable, Yeah. but you could also like dock it and play it like a home console. I think that would be cool. It would make it complicated. Like going from like the DS is such a cool system, but it's like I, I've never actually explored emulating it. But I would assume it's interesting to emulate because you have to incorporate games that have a bottom screen that is a touch screen, which is well, uh, not I, a lot of devices have that. I guess if you unfolded it, you wouldn't have to, but you could mimic it. So that I, that's one of the challenges that Nintendo is kind of facing right now when it comes mm. to like Switch Online or Nintendo Online. You can easily port, you know, Nintendo 64 and probably GameCube all the way up to like Wii stuff for the yeah. Switch. But like, how are they going to do 3DS stuff? Good if question. they were to design a new console that did have that like folding screen, maybe they'd be able to do that. Yeah, you could get a lot of. I guess uh, I don't know how you it, that wouldn't fix it for like if you're trying to play it on a TV, I guess, but. Well, yeah, the, I guess the, the Joy-Cons would have to have, like, one of those Steam Deck haptic pads on it. Yeah, and I also want To wonder, simulate, like, a touchscreen. I mean, Nintendo's so good at, like, finding, like, a weird, innovative thing that nobody saw yeah. coming to make their console, like, the one that everyone wants, where, like, they're even if they're not competing with Microsoft and Sony in terms of, like, horsepower... So it'll be interesting to see because I don't nobody saw probably the Wii coming <laughs> like yeah doubling down amazing. on like entirely motion controls I don't think anybody saw that and then the Switch I maybe people saw it coming but it is yeah like to be able to especially after the failure of the Wii U to like realize yeah. the one thing that worked about the Wii U was the fact that you could take the games portably on the true. Uh, portable controller and just like play them on the couch but like the obviously like the dual screen thing in terms of home consoles did not work so ditch that part the dual just... screen it makes it hard for sure but i do think if they made some sort of flip switch they could remaster a bunch of ds games yeah now that they had another like two screen console but well and you know, i don't know i mean yeah and that makes me wonder if they could find a way to make it so that you could play them on like the home console thing. Like you have the switch, but still have a screen available. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they'll be able to do that, but that would be it's a good question. Interesting. Like if they were able to come up with some sort of joy con situation that had like a portable screen there and still you had the dock. Of some I saw sort. a graphic that uh, was like, Oh yeah. The, the PS, uh, six is going to get announced in 2027 because it's always seven years after they have like a, a general seven year lifespan of these consoles, and so that's why I would I would assume the next Xbox will also be revealed in 2027. But Nintendo is never playing by anyone else's rules, so mm-hmm. they'll just announce something before that and sort of get in at the beginning. So. Yeah, we could be like two or just a year away. Because when did it come out? 2017? Yeah, 2017. And I, I've heard that Nintendo expects this one to be like a longer console generation for them. So like don't yeah. necessarily go off of like their past history in terms of how quickly they're releasing a new console. But I mean, 
it, it does feel a little underpowered, obviously, at this point. But the they, longer we go, the more underpowered it'll be. Yeah, I, I mean, credit to their first party studios doing like an outstanding job of somehow not making it feel that way when like Luigi's Mansion, for instance, like gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous runs incredibly well. Same with Super Mario Odyssey. I mean, yeah, I granted those games came out years ago, but somehow they still look great, though. Somehow they're still able to do it. Rab- Mario and Rabbids uh, Sparks of Hope looks wonderful. Yeah, it doesn't look as good, but it, it does look pretty good still. And then uh, like Fire Emblem Engage looks nice. It was really mainly the Pokemon ones. And you do have some yeah. concern about Tears of the Kingdom just being a giant open world. How yeah. well it'll it'll probably look great, but like you worry about the frame rate and stuff like that. Draw but, distance. Yeah, draw distance, but I would also like to see Nintendo add like some sort of achievement system. It's like a yeah. a small thing, but like it just adds like one little extra element to like the completionist part of me that like really finds it satisfying to like sort of check off those achievements and like on like Xbox or PlayStation with their trophies and Steam has them as well. It would just be like I was thinking about it as I've been playing Fire Emblem Engage and I was like mm-hmm. If if there was some sort of achievement system for like going back and doing all the side battles that are optional or like um, doing more of the relationship stuff and some of the stuff at the like hub area, I would spend more time doing that and be happy to do it. Whereas right now it's just like there's nothing really incentivizing me to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to not really care about it that much. But it's true. I've played the most Hollow Knight on my Switch. but I recently started replaying it a little bit on Steam and getting those achievements is just like, it is something that you miss. Yeah. You don't realize it. Yeah, it is. It's something extra that I, I think is missing from Nintendo's console. So I would like to see that. I don't know if they'll ever do it, but it would be nice. It's interesting that you used the word missing, Zach. Yeah, because that's sort of our first news story. So uh, why don't you launch right into it? Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo have announced they're opting out of E3 2023. All the big three players say they're not going to be at E3 2023. Yeah, and it's particularly surprising for Xbox of all of them because not only have they already talked about how they're going to have a show uh, over the summer, and I mean, they have the Microsoft like studio, so they they could just do one anyway and, and just at their own space, but... It's true. I think Microsoft is on the board of the ESA or Oh, really? So it's surprising to me that I feel like these companies have had like a good working relationship with them in the past. I I think Nintendo might even have like worked with them on like establishing E3 like way back when. And they've always Mm -hmm. had a pretty good working relationship. Although Microsoft like famously was the only one to stick with E3 when like even PlayStation like opted out a couple years ago. And of course, Nintendo has been doing their own direct for a while but so i found it particularly surprising that even microsoft is a little bit out but i wonder how much of that is well you guys took a year off and we had to work out our own thing and we realized we kind of don't need you yeah and And also i mean there's keely's thing yeah so i wonder if he's going to be able to wheel and deal and negotiate uh like calling Microsoft and being like, Hey, can I just like say you're part of my thing and we'll do it close together. And they might be like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Maybe it's just a, people are done with the ESA. It could be, it could be that that's the case, but, uh, it is a little sad. Cause I also feel like we are moving away from like those physical events and yeah. they are moving more to digital events and like, whatever. It's still nice to see the stuff. Uh, get presented and be able to see what's coming later in the year and in the next couple of years. But there was just a a little something special about like being able to even remotely watch like this yeah. like physical event happening on a stage and hear like, people cheering and stuff. That and like seeing different previews and stuff. Like Nintendo always had like they basically built a theme park. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, really. they already have a theme park now in real life, they, they, an actual theme park. So maybe they Two. don't want to build another one. But it was cool because I, I specifically remember the Luigi's Mansion 3 one, like a couple of years. What was that, 2019? Over the mm. summer, 
they had their treehouse live. And I remember seeing videos of like people, they are going through it. And it was like, they had basically built like a little Luigi's mansion <laughs> that you could <laughs> go through like a, a little amusement park thing. And it was, it was cool to see. And I, I will miss that that is maybe not going to be around anymore, but I don't know how what if they would ever incorporate their actual theme park and their directs. Like when the, whenever the next Mario game comes out, I wonder if they'll do like part of the direct live from uh, Super Mario World. That would be Nintendo cool. Or whatever. Yeah, that would be a good idea for them to do. And maybe they will at some point. But and they could still like E3, they could still have a thing and just get like Ubisoft and whoever's left <laughs> to come like EA, maybe have them. Come I still and do think stuff there come like the end of may we will get another one of those uh grids you always get the grid of like here's the next two weeks and here like across is the two weeks and then down is the press conference and you'll get like the grid of like these are when all the press conferences are based on your uh time zone I still think the first or second week of June is going to be packed with like Healy's thing and hopefully some other stuff, but it's maybe just not going to be called E3 anymore. Yeah, I, I I agree. I do think that there will still be events and stuff happening in June. And so we'll still see like those shows. They just will probably be digital. Maybe there will be some that are live on a stage, but they will just not be associated with E3. We'll um, still get a Devolver Direct. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sure that'll still happen. <laughs> but the the weird thing about this, so uh, IGN had an article about this, and they, they specifically said Nintendo and Xbox were initially interested in having a presence at E3, but they both pulled out for different, like, unrelated reasons to, like, mm. the show itself. Mm. Um and like Video Game Chronicles said that Nintendo opted out uh, because they had a light second half release schedule and it, it didn't justify the event space. Uh, and huh. IGN apparently corroborated that. But that sounds... One, I don't know if I believe that. It, because like I also saw... Uh, I don't know if you've ever followed Kit and Krista, formerly of Nintendo... They do like oh, a those, podcast. Are, they're the people that used to do the uh, Nintendo uh, Minute. Treat, Nintendo. Or I thought that was. They're yeah, not the Treehouse people, are they? They took part in the Treehouse, maybe. Uh, but I, they were famous for Nintendo Minute. But uh, they I feel were, like I saw they went on like MinMax one time to talk about stuff. I think. Yeah, they they do like their own thing now. They've left Nintendo, and Kit did like a short video on their YouTube channel, mm-hmm. like reacting to this news, and he was like. Do you, like Nintendo is one of the most secretive companies in yeah. video games. Do you really think that they would go to the ESA and say, "Hey, we have a weak second half of the year. We're not going to yeah. do a show." Like it doesn't sound like something they would do. I agree. But also like they probably wouldn't tell anyone that they have a weak second half. Uh and that that's of course if indeed they do have a light second half, I'm not sure that that's the case either. So I don't know what to believe yeah. about this, but either way, Nintendo will probably do its own thing and have their own direct. I think it will be in that. I mean, what are the big things we're looking for from Nintendo? We're looking for Silk Song is my thing, but I think we're going to get news about that. I have some updates about that. We're going to talk about in a second. Um, Breath of the Wild is the big thing. Yeah. And that's going to be out by now. By that, yeah, that'll be out by the time E3 happens. All right, not Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. It's so hard to say yeah, Tears of the Kingdom. I, I mean, I'm still doing it too. <laughs> um, what else is on there? All of those other things are just rumors. Like, there's the rumored Donkey Kong game. There's the rumored, like, there's got to be another Mario in development. Who knows how far along that is. And um, there's Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime, which may never happen. But I would love a follow-up to Metroid Dread, which I feel like they could pump out pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, especially uh, since they, engine. they may have... Did they not do any DLC for that game? I don't believe so. so I mean, if they... Uh, there was, like... There was maybe a new game mode or something, like a super hard mode they released that I passed on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, I remember that. 
I'm trying to think of other first party stuff. I mean, we got a Kirby game. Um, I feel like Donkey Kong is the obvious like next one. But again, that's still just a rumor. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see that. And if that was coming out in October, they could definitely have uh, a little press conference about that. Even I, there's so many indie games. Like Nintendo yeah. is an indie darling. Like they could just do a a whole thing where I, I know that there's like specific uh, directs that are called like Nindies or whatever. But I feel like they, regardless, they could definitely muster up enough for a show. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure they like they always seem to do like a quarterly uh, direct that's like, here's what's coming over the next few months. And I feel like that'll still happen, even if it's uh, just like a lot of indie games. Mm. But uh, either way, I kind of agree with Kit that even if that is the case, that they have a light second half release schedule, like they probably wouldn't broadcast that no i wouldn't (laughs) say that yeah i agree (laughs) so i don't know it it was a weird thing that came out this last week but another weird thing that came out apparently horizon or gorilla developers of horizon uh, zero dawn and horizon forbidden west had a multiplayer game in the the horizon franchise uh leak online there was some footage i didn't get to see it so i don't know where the the actual footage is but supposedly there it's in alpha uh and it's some sort of online almost sounds kind of monster hunter like uh and that's actually a good fit for this uh well yeah i was gonna say it it seems like there's already a little bit of monster hunter in horizon forbidden west just because like if you want to upgrade your weapons and armor you basically will go to like a crafting table and be like, okay, what do, what materials do I need to upgrade this thing? And it'll be like, okay, you need this. And you can, you can sort of select, okay, start job. And it basically creates a quest for you to mm. tell you where to go to do it. And then you just go hunt the thing and try to, you know, get the parts you need. So there's already like a little bit of a monster hunter thing in the game already. So it, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, and also, I believe there was like an Aloy outfit, like DLC for Monster Hunter World. That's true. So yeah, like, I remember that because you could get their bow or whatever. Yeah. And like there was like a Palico outfit that made your Palico look like one of the little robot dinosaurs. Ah. So it was I feel like this is an obvious thing i i do believe the art style is not supposed to look like the main like horizon games i think it's supposed to look a little car- more cartoony interesting um i'm i don't know where this is coming from but i am very curious to find out more it, it would be one of those things where um maybe we'll see something about this like over the summer and maybe it'll be like a fall thing i don't know but i i think it sounds actually kind of interesting hmm Talk to me about Starfield. So Starfield is supposedly playable from start to finish. What do you what do you think of this? Are, I, are they are they literally just like in cleanup mode, clean up the bugs, make it run well, and they're just like waiting to release it until this the is fall? what I hope because I feel like Skyrim and all of their previous games really Fallout Four, Oblivion. They all get kind of a bad rap as far as like bugs. Like you'll see very funny compilations of like, check out this crazy bug that happened in Skyrim or like this guy walks through a wall (laughs) and then says like, hey, villager. Uh, Or like a guy, like you walk up to a guy and he's like, I'm very busy right now. And then he just like goes to bed. (laughs) Uh, So I would love for them to be like, okay. I mean, mechanically, some of, that is, some of that is like the the fun quirk that is like known to Bethesda games that has I agree become 100%. a little bit of its own uh, just like fun quirky factor when it comes to. These but games. I, I wonder if they've learned from that and they're like, OK, the game works now. It works. And now everything like every waking moment is now. Obviously, we don't want them to crunch. But like now all we're going to spend time on is just polish we're gonna polish this thing because we want this to be skyrim we want this to last we want this to have a decade of play afterward uh more than a decade like this thing when we push it out the door has to be like we don't want a cyberpunk we want something that people are like immediately are into and continue to be into something we can port to the ps6 basically is what they're looking for 
Um, and so ho hopefully it is playable. And now they're just like combing through the hours and hours of content to make sure it's crisp and clean. Um, but who knows, I guess. I It's still surprising to me that we have not gotten more info on it. I would have thought... I mean, we're going to get a delay announcement, I think, pretty soon that it's going to be the fall and not the spring. But I guess, I, I mean, I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Well, yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, there was the news that came out that they would be uh, announcing the release date very soon. Yeah. Um. So I don't know what that means. There was also, you know, last week we were trying to figure out, uh, based on their weird wording, whether the Starfield standalone press conference was coming over the summer or if that was coming sooner. And then they just were talking about additionally, they're going to have more stuff to talk about over yeah. the summer, but um, we're still unsure of whether this game is going to release in the spring, uh, try to get out ahead of tears of the kingdom, or if this is going to get delayed to the fall. There was I do think that you're right that they're they have to be aware of like the bomb that's going to drop when Tears of the Kingdom comes out because that's that's going to dominate Twitch. It's going to dominate YouTube. I remember when Breath of the Wild came out, YouTube channels that didn't do that kind of content that were only like let's play this multiplayer, basically like a Last of Us, not Last of Us. Um, what's the Among Us? Uh, YouTube channels that only did like Among Us or like Trouble in Terrorist Town were doing Breath of the Wild playthroughs. Like everybody was playing Breath mm -hmm. of the Wild and it dominated Twitch and YouTube. And so they've got to be aware that they need to like, you know, bow out and like respect that time because they're going to get lost in the fray if they don't. Not to mention that Bethesda slash Xbox has scheduled Redfall for 10 days before the release of Tears of the Kingdom. So they also that, have their own game releasing yeah. in that window. So it would you don't want to sort of ape your own sales. So you would probably it's gonna get muddled for sure. Yeah. So if they did release uh, Starfield first half of the year, you would expect it to be probably March or April. Maybe if they could pull May? off March, but insane to me, like the thing, I think we talked about this before, like they've got to know that people want to pre-order this and they got, I would assume that they would want the maximum amount of amount of people to pre-order it. So they would want to, I mean, even like movie theater stuff, like when, uh, Avatar, when the, when the movie tickets for the first week of Avatar went on sale, there were commercials specifically for like pre-order your tickets now to go see it in like, you know, a month or whatever. Like you want a large window where people are like consuming your product before it even comes out. And so the closer we get to March, it's like, what are they doing? Yeah. You would definitely think that they would want plenty of time for people to like pre-order before yeah. the game actually comes out. But I don't know. Well, and I don't know if Game Pass has any bearing on that because of the fact that there's probably plenty of people who are like anticipating the game, but know they're going to play it on Game Pass. And so they're yeah. not going to have to buy a physical copy of it. That's um, true, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. So I don't know how that changes the the math for them, but um, I don't know. I, I still a big part of me expects it to be released in the fall and not I think you're right. I think that's and sound reasoning. And, uh, you know, it could be good, too, because you remember famously that, like, Wolverine movie tie-in game for that horrible Wolverine Origins movie that came out was, like, oddly, like, really well-liked that game when <laughs> it came out because I don't remember what the, the issue was there, but it, like, somehow they ended up, like, basically having the game completely done and they ended up waiting like six months to a year before they actually released it. Yeah. And so they just spent all that time squashing bugs and making sure it was like running well. And you, you ended up with this insanely polished, basically God of War clone, but it, with yeah. uh, Wolverine as the main character. And people were like, the movie sucks, but this game is actually really good. <laughs> so maybe if they just, you know, finish completely finish the game. And now they basically have six months to dedicate solely to like fixing glitches and like performance issues and making sure that it runs as well as it possibly can. Um, that would be awesome. 
they're in it for the long haul. I, I think that is, I think that makes sense to me is like they, they get it to where it's playable. And now every single person is just like bug hunting and making sure there's not like crazy stuff. Like th- nobody wants to be a cyberpunk these days. Like, yeah, that for better or worse, I, th- both of us, I think are very good, like hot on cyberpunk. Now we both think it's a good yeah. game, but, um, definitely it was a, a wake up call. I think for a lot of people in the industry, like, Hey, you can't just like adhere to this, uh, release date because the higher ups say you need to, like, it was a disaster for a while and they fixed it. But I mean, it was, everyone knows about it. Like people who we talked about it when it happened, people who, uh, didn't even play games were talking about it. It was crazy. Yeah. And that game was probably the most anticipated game of any other game out there at the time. And it launched in such a horrible state that it just like the conversation around it, like turned on a dime. So you would definitely hope that that would not be the case with Starfield as well. Let's shift gears and talk about another star related property. Another delay. Uh, I guess we're only supposing that Starfield will be delayed, but another star game will is delayed, but not by very much. Starfield Jedi Survivor is being pushed from March 17th back to April 28th, so a little over a month. Um, still coming out before Tears of the Kingdom. Yep. Are you anticipating this game? Do you think you'll give this a shot? Not really. I played the first one for when it was free on Stadia, and it was fine. I enjoyed it, but I don't know that I... Something that didn't click for me. I, 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 I don't super... I'm not into Star Wars that much yeah. overall. I think like, that's it's something fun, I learned a little bit in trying to play the first Star Wars Jedi game. I like it. And like I like um, The Mandalorian and that Boba Fett show. But uh, I don't know. It's not like a world that I need to know more about, <laughs> I guess. I'm good. Uh, and so this seemed, it was like a fun game. I got I, I progressed so far that I was able to receive the double lightsaber. And then I was just sort of like, I can do something else now. I don't need to complete this. I mean, it was an interesting story, but I don't know. It's also coming out right next to Breath of the Wild. So, like, uh, I don't know, RIP to this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it it didn't feel like... I think it's an interesting concept, but in practice, at least for me, when I tried to play it, it was not sort of the um, power fantasy that I wanted a Star Wars game to be. That... I will say, if you play it on super easy mode, which is what I did, it is kind of that. Because uh, I, I was not really interested. This is before I even played like Hollow Knight and realized that like, sometimes hard games can be fun. Where I was just like, nope, I'm playing it on very easy. I'm no, I think it's called like cinematic mode or something. Mm. Where it's like, I would do, I would like never lose health basically. And I could just like... Uh, use my lightsaber to kill everything it was great well and the other part of it was this like i love the original star wars trilogy and i basically have learned i don't really like much else outside of that and when it comes <laughs> to star wars there was an era back in like maybe the gamecube and original xbox era where there were some cool star wars games that i was into yeah um like in that era where you had those sort of three different console generations there was some good stuff but I don't know. I've, I've been out on Star Wars, so I don't think... That N64... What was that called? You know that N64 Star Wars game where you could... There was a, a pod racing part of it? Was uh, it just but pod it was like, racer? No, no. It was like a first-person shooter. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. You were like some some guy. I don't recall. Not important. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Star Wars. We're, we're meh on it, I think. We're meh on Star Wars these days. Um, are you met on the PlayStation Plus collection? We were talking about <laughs> a hilarious thing that happened before we started recording is we were like, what is PlayStation Plus? Does it exist? I believe you Googled the phrase, does PlayStation Plus exist? No, you Googled, does Xbox Live exist? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I remember them being like them rolling out their like tiered system of subscriptions. And then I didn't remember when that launched, but uh, we had to figure out what's being discontinued because PS Pl- PlayStation Plus collection is being discontinued. And what is that? Yeah, and there are three different tiers under the umbrella of PlayStation Plus. Um, and PlayStation Plus collection is just something additional to that. Uh, so it was very confusing. Uh, PlayStation Plus collection is like some of Sony's like best sellers. I, it's like a list of like 19 or 20 games. 
that were like did really well and are beloved and reviewed very well that you got as like if you subscribe to one of the playstation plus tiers on ps5 you just had access to those games at no extra cost um and i guess evidently they're taking them away which i guess maybe makes sense because they're probably just rolled into that middle tier of playstation plus that gives you like access to like 400 plus um playstation 4 and playstation 5 games so it doesn't necessarily make sense to be like oh also here's a separate collection of games that you can add it's just just roll everything into one thing (laughs) um but i i still find their subscription service baffling yeah, I it's confusing it. needlessly confusing like we were talking about this before we started recording they should just have a game pass and just call it like but they yeah. have decided to do this like insane sony's weird sony makes weird stuff and makes weird decisions they had that weird e3 where they had everyone be in that barn they <laughs> made the ps vita for some reason like they just do weird stuff and so this is just another thing where they were like no this is this is the path forward is this uh, like very obtuse uh, subscription model. (laughs) Yeah. And they just, we were talking and we both decided Sony just make one thing, one subscription tier. You don't need three of them uh, at most two. Like, and do they're doing the opposite of what Nintendo did with theirs where they're like the cheapest tier is the oldest games. Um, because they should be the cheapest. <laughs> and yeah. uh, if you want like the more recent stuff, it's a little bit more expensive. Uh, Sony did the opposite. They're like, hey, let's really cash in on nostalgia. If you yeah. want these old games, pay us the most money. <laughs> so I don't know. It's weird in this story. The, the whole cancellation of or discontinuation of PlayStation Plus collection just made me go on a a tangent to try to understand what PlayStation Plus was these days. Other uh, things are wrapping up <laughs> is a polite way to say it. Yeah. But uh, I don't know about you, but I watched a couple of that Leo Vader guy's streams where he was playing Knockout City and it didn't seem like a bad game. Yeah. So weird thing, like I was going through looking for different news to add to our show notes for this week. And like across multiple websites, I just started stumbling across, well, this uh, game as service is being discontinued or they're taking their ending service. And there was like four or five of them. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, is everybody ending the game as service model? What was the one that we talked about last week? There was one that was like, oh, it was Marvel, Marvel's Avengers. Yeah. They're discontinuing that game later this year. And now here's like four more. And yeah, when uh, Knockout City came out, it looked cool. I remember people talking about it and showing like videos. And it it's an interesting it, take on a, a battle royale. Yeah, so it was a dodgeball battle royale. And it seemed interesting and fun. I remember it, it eventually. Oh, went I'm sorry. I'm talking about play. Rumbleverse. Oh, yeah. Leo Vader's been playing Rumbleverse. Yeah, not Knockout City. I apologize. Yeah, but Knockout City is that dodgeball one. You're right. Yeah, Knockout City is the dodgeball one that came out, and uh, it seemed interesting. It was fun to watch some people play it, and I never got into it. But So that one's going away, and then Rumbleverse was the other one that I know uh, Leo Vader from uh, MinMax and Game Informer fame has been playing a lot of Rumbleverse. And it doesn't seem like something I would care about. This is like the uh like wwe style uh battle royale where it's like this cartoony take on uh like wrestling but in an open world sort of battle royale setting and i guess i guess they're just there isn't enough of an audience to go around for this many like battle royale style uh game as service games yeah uh so another one's biting the dust i guess uh, so I guess, what is it? Fortnite is going to be the only one standing at the end of this. I mean, Call of Duty is also doing real numbers on Twitch. Yeah. Call of They're, Duty uh, is still a powerhouse. Warzone. So. And Warzone has, um, has tempted me a couple of times. We've talked about, maybe it was off mic, where I've almost decided to check it out. But it is, it's crazy that it's like 120 gigs you have to download. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, not a small file. Because I think 
they make you get like the whole game basically but yeah um I don't know, man. Yeah, it's just like it's not feasible right now. And so other ones, Apex Legends Mobile and Battlefield Mobile are also shutting down. Shortly. I didn't. I, I'm a fan of Battlefield, and I didn't even know there was a Battlefield Mobile. So I didn't just, know there was an Apex Legends Mobile. I knew that one existed, but I never tried it. And I'm a little bit surprised that that failed because I thought Apex Legends was actually like doing well. Maybe I think not. it's still doing hot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, the, they're the still putting out content. Is, is still probably going strong, but I guess maybe yeah. like Fortnite has somehow cornered the market on mobile. I guess for battle royales. Yeah, but I, I don't know how well PUBG Mobile is doing these days. But PUBG Mobile is crazy. They they do all this like interesting stuff with PUBG Mobile that they should put in the main game and they don't. Like, there's another, there's a wholly separate game that is. Uh, a PUBG game that's like set in the future that has like really interesting gear. I can't remember the name of it. We talked about it on the podcast briefly, uh, but they're like it's not available on PC for some reason. That's another crazy thing. Another game that ended was that Final Fantasy VII First Soldier, oh, which yeah. was a Final Fantasy VII yeah. battle royale. Again, never available on computers, only available on mobile, which doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but that was discontinued. I think like maybe last month. Yeah, they're more and more of these are just like failing. I don't know. I think people don't put are it just learning. on phones, in my opinion. Well, yeah, that's a big one. I, you would think that I don't. Maybe it's just the Western markets that, but mobile gaming is still huge because everybody has a phone. Not everybody has a console or a gaming computer. It's true. And that, some companies like that have tried to double down on that with games like Apex Legends Mobile and that. Uh, Final Fantasy one you talked about, but maybe it's like gaming on mobile devices is not as popular as people once thought. I know it's never been popular with us, so <laughs> I don't know. I what guess we're is, responsible uh, for that. What is Crossfire X? Crossfire X is I I never really understood what this was. I think it's like a, a Korean developer that is basically like a Call of Duty style uh, competitor. Hmm. And it, I remember supposedly it was pretty big in Asian markets and then it finally got ported to the West on like Xbox last year and it has been very short lived. I I don't know that it's going to make it a year, maybe a little over a year, but it uh, is also being shut down. So Hmm. not a good time for game of service games. It is a good time for artificial intelligence zach yeah you uh shared this with me i had not seen this until you shared it and it's a very weird thing so there's a new channel on twitch called nothing forever and i have i haven't done a deep dive into this to see how it's actually being created but my fear my my i believe what it is is like they trained an ai it's multiple elements they trained an ai to write little scenes in the style of seinfeld and then they created a system whereby like actors like uh video game actors play out those scenes uh with like a voice to te- or text to voice voice to text um and it's like kind of pixelated and it's generated in real time i believe and now there's just a youtube or a twitch channel you can go to that 24/7 365 is playing out these scenes back to back to back in real time where it's just these characters that are not technically Seinfeld. Instead of uh, Jerry, it's his name is Larry. And I think instead of Elaine, it's like Yvonne or something. Or uh, I think that's her name. And I forget what Kramer's name is and uh, George's name is. But it's surreal to watch. Like yeah. I put it on and I watched it for like an hour one time because it's just so weird. And yeah. like... It's really glitchy. Like when characters sit down on the couch, you, it's sometimes hilarious and they'll just like fall through the floor sometimes because it is just like, I don't think it's learning is another thing. I think I was talking to someone. He was like, uh, man, so it's just going to keep getting better and better. And I was like, I don't think that's the case. I think it is <laughs> set in motion and it's not any sort of like learning yeah. uh, algorithm. It's just going to continue to do what it's doing, but it is unique hundred yeah. percent of the time. Uh so I don't know. What did you think? What did you think when you watched this? It is uh, super weird, and it's funny because it's weird, not because like the writing is funny yeah. or like the performances are funny. It's funny because you're you're like, 
oh, was that supposed to be a joke? Um, but there's like a laugh track that's happening. So I the guess the laugh track is not synced up at all. Like they'll just be talking about something. <laughs> it just happens randomly. It seems like. I mean, some some director, some AI director is dictating when the laughter happens, but it has no understanding of what humor is. So yeah. I think they just wait for a line to end and then. And then there's, there's a laugh, laugh track. track. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like clearly doing like a riff on Seinfeld because like the apartment looks very much like Seinfeld. And like there are these uh, scene transitions that you, you would see in like a sitcom where it's like an exterior shot of the um, apartment and you have like the sort of twangy like guitar riff that happens. And then I'll go back inside and you'll see like Jerry there and he'll say something. I guess it's not Jerry. It's Larry. But well, so there's only two scenes right now. There is the apartment. And then every once in a while, you'll get Larry in front of a brick wall doing a stand-up set. Doing stand-up, yeah. Which is, I think, something that happened on Seinfeld as well. Yeah. I famously have not really seen a lot of Seinfeld. In the early seasons, there was a lot of um, him doing stand-up as well. Because he he was basically playing a version of himself where he was a stand-up comic in New York. And so that was uh, his job. So they would cut to him you know, doing an actual standup. Uh, but it was like, obviously it was scripted and it was for the show. It wasn't like live. Uh, he was doing like standup or something like that. But I saw a thing about this though. People were talking about on Reddit and they were like, how long until this technology gets good enough where it's like, it understands when it's being funny. And then also how long until like Netflix or someone else buys this technology and like a channel you can watch on Netflix is just you put in a prompt and then it generates a show based on that. They don't have to pay any actors and it just starts like being the show you want where you could type in like a show about vampires who are in the military, but they run like a, a canteen in the military. So it's like mash, but it's uh like the cafeteria and it's run by vampires and then it <laughs> takes like you know 30 seconds and then it just starts having the show play like wouldn't that oh, be man. crazy yeah i didn't even think about that like create your own entertainment using ai like yeah wouldn't that be really crazy in the mood for a farscape style show but exactly well i don't farscape know if they'll let you do that a thousand times so let let me just like put in a prompt for like you know crew of five is on a ship in space and like see what it does <laughs> i wonder it because that's the part where it uh, it gets like ethically confusing because they can be like the the ai the whole thing that reason people don't like ai art or whatever right now is because oh it's using other people's art as the template or whatever and you can find it's like alarming sometimes because you can find in ai art where it has tried to generate a signature in the bottom right hand corner based on other people's signature that's pulled from. And the original artists are like, Hey, that's like, uh, that's like my signature on this uh, AI art. So it was probably trained on my material, but I wonder if like, that's the quandary you get into is like, I want to watch more Farscape, like generate more Farscape for me. But then nobody involved in Farscape is like getting any money. But is that real? I I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. I didn't even think about it that way. I was thinking more like, let me just enter a prompt that would result in something similar to a show like Farscape. But you're saying somebody could probably enter a prompt that was like, yeah. give me more of that thing that already actually exists. Give me a uh, a follow-up season to um, Sopranos after that Sopranos finale. I want to yeah. see what happens after that Sopranos finale. Wouldn't that be crazy? I mean, it, it seems like it is eventually going to be possible based on remake how... the Star Wars prequel trilogy. <laughs> now that is where the money is, Zach. That's what we should invest in. Yeah, that would be very interesting. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. Here's something else I'm going to talk about briefly. I feel like these past couple episodes, I've been getting on a soap, soapbox at some point to talk about something that no one else cares about, like all that Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Um, but I'm going to do that again right now. So get ready. Strap in. <laughs> okay. I watched a video on YouTube yesterday of a person who follows Silk Song stuff. And they said they had some compelling evidence, Zach, that we're going to get some Silk Song news soon. Because here's their point. A couple of days ago, I believe on the 30th of January, some metadata changed on a uh, store page for Silk Song. And they changed some stuff, some like pretty background stuff, but someone is editing the metadata for this page. Additionally, the last time Team Cherry uh, like 
had a video of them talking to their audience and talking about Hollow Knight was on a Valentine's Day. You can go back and watch that video on Team Cherry's YouTube channel, and they're sitting next to like a little bouquet and like a, a heart because it's Valentine's Day. Also, the last time they like Hollow Knight was announced, and then well, it was a Kickstarter, obviously, but they announced the release date two weeks before the release date, and so people are speculating that sometime in the next two weeks we're going to have an announcement about Silk Song's uh, release date, and it very well could be two weeks from that date. And so, that's my thing I've talked about. What do you think? So you think a release date is imminent? I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're primed for any kind of announcement for anything. There's like three or four things we're waiting for that no one is talking about. And I feel like I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop on any of them, like Starfield or Silk Song or this Donkey Kong thing or whatever. But Silk Song, I think, is the most likely we're going to get stuff on. Or maybe this is just my hope uh, because there's been these like rumblings in the back and we, we don't really know how far along it is, but they have been working on it for quite a while. And I would love at least a, another trailer to come out this month, um, even if there's no release date. But I think there will be a release date. Uh, so... On our first episode of March, uh, maybe we'll talk about it if nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that's among the games that every year we're like it gets more and more improbable that it doesn't yeah. release. And we're to a point now where definitely with Starfield and like even Tears of the Kingdom going back a few years, we were like, oh, yeah, this is the year. And then it wasn't the year. And then last year, we're like, oh, for sure, this it's going to happen this year. It's going to be a crazy year because we're going to get all <laughs> these games. And then, like, half of them got pushed back. And now this year, you're like, okay, well, there's no way it can happen again. It has to there's be There's no this way. Year. Especially after, but, like, some release dates have been announced and then they ended up delaying them anyway. I, I mean, you have to imagine it's been long enough that this game can probably come out at some point this year. I think that's sound reasoning. And we'll be reporting it. Zach, I'll make this promise to you. Regardless of what I'm doing, on the day they make that announcement, we will make a video about it. Okay. And we will release it. <laughs> All right. Um, so even be on if the lookout I, for that on our YouTube channel. <laughs> even if it's something where it's going to really be an imposition to me to get to a place where I can record, I will do it. And we will be recording on that day. We'll make it happen. All right. Um, and then the other thing, did you watch this new Mario? It's like a 40 second Mario trailer. I saw the poster that everybody was talking about. I didn't actually watch the trailer though. You don't really learn much more except for you hear Donkey Kong's voice and it is just Seth Rogen's voice. So he's not doing a voice. Uh, it seems like he is Which just doing Seth Rogen. Tracks with the way everybody else is performed their roles i guess the only other interesting thing about it is you get to see cat mario which is a, a cool it does seem like they're putting in a lot of things from the game in this like there's gonna be mario kart he has a cat suit which i i could not have predicted he would have a cat suit if anything i would have said like oh he'll be like fire mario for sure and he'll probably be in a tanuki suit but the cat suit is almost so new i didn't predict that they would do that but he is gonna be cat mario in this which is interesting yeah I figured he would probably, you'd probably see at least a handful of those classic Mario suits, but yeah. The fire one for sure, yeah. Um, but that's in our show notes. And then, yeah, that's the main news. Uh, did, so wait, I uh, we're going to talk about this in a second, but uh, have you been playing Hi-Fi Rush? Uh, I We talked a little bit about how I was playing it last week. I can talk a little bit. I, I did play a little bit more, not very much. Um, I, I like it. I understand why people are into it. I'm not as high on it as most people. Yeah. Not as hi-fi rush on it as most people. Huh. Um, like I listened to the Min-Max show this week and they were just gushing over it. Like they're like, oh, this is like game of the year material. This is like Whoa. top 10 stuff. Like this is going to be in that conversation. And I was like, really? Because to <laughs> me, it's like. I get like visually it's a pretty attractive game. It's got like a nice cartoony sort of comic book art style. It, it very definitely looks like Saturday morning cartoons and the main characters got this like Peter Quill energy about him. But I don't love 
the fact that it's rhythm based although like to their credit it is like the most accessible uh, rhythm based game can be um where i struggled with it a little bit and why i've been a little bit hesitant to jump back in is because it gets to a point where it starts really trying to get into like a parry system that is Mm. a little bit more like like you have room for error when it comes to like uh performing the other uh because it's very combo based and so you're doing combos but you're pressing your button presses in time with the beat and it's very forgiving uh in terms of uh pressing the button presses and in time with the beat normally but when it comes to the parry stuff you have to be on with that Uh, and and so i don't know how much i will keep going with it i will maybe keep playing it but uh i have you'll see in our because we've been trying to build like our top 10 uh the star side chat top 10 of the year slash game of the year watch and for now we just have four games because those are the four games that came out this year so far (laughs) um and they are uh Fire Emblem Engage is our, our number one. And, and all, all of these can be rearranged and moved. They're not like set in stone. But for now, we got Fire Emblem Engage at the top. We got Vengeful Guardian Moonrider at number two and Dead Space Remake at three and Hi-Fi Rush at four. I would move Moonrider down, especially yeah. since neither of us have played it. I have at least <laughs> watched a good amount of Dead Space Remake and think it's cool enough to keep I it also think it's very cool, yeah. somewhere in there. Uh, but I would move Hi-Fi Rush up to number two is where Whoa. I would rearrange this to. Which would make cool. it Fire Emblem Engage, Hi-Fi Rush number two, uh, Dead Space Remake three, and Vengeful Guardian Moonrider four. And I don't ex- I don't know that I expect any of these to still be on the list by the end of the year. No. Uh, except for maybe Fire Emblem Engage on my personal list. I don't know that it'll it'll make the overall show list yeah just because there's a lot of stuff coming out oh speaking of which which we did not have in the show notes there was like an eight minute gameplay overview of atomic heart that came out this yes. last week i watched and that when you sent it to me it's very interesting it looks awesome to me it looks so really good that's a game that i was already kind of anticipating but just like getting to see that preview coverage of it really uh made it even more something i'm anticipating so yeah that's coming to Game Pass, so I will play it on PC. I think I'm probably going to play it on PC too. I think I'm going to get it on Game. I'm gonna. That will be probably be the thing that pushes me over there is to get Game Pass. I've been kind of teetering on the edge of it these last couple of weeks, but um, I, I definitely want to play that game. I think it looks really good. And it it comes out on the same day as that Like a Dragon Ishin game. Oh yeah. That I also think will be a pretty cool game. I I was very much impressed with. Uh, yakuza like a dragon and i'm a little bit sad that they're not still doing like the turn-based stuff because even Mm. though like you and i had our problems with their the way they handled the turn-based combat at least in the early going of that game yeah but i really adjusted to it and like the more stuff you unlock and the it, it sort of gets a little deeper and more interesting and i i ended up liking it by the end but really it was like the story and the characters that drove that game and made it very memorable for me and so i'm hoping that i'll find a pretty similar experience with this game i know it's supposed to be like a remake of an older one it's weird i don't really know but i mean i i only ever played the one yakuza game so it'll be interesting for me to play this one but it's coming out on the same day as atomic heart i do think i'll prioritize atomic heart yeah i think so, so too so it might be a while before i get to that other one but um, but those are two coming up this next month that could easily rearrange this top 10 list that we're building. So, oh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I, I've played ever so slightly more of Hi-Fi Rush and <laughs> uh, played Fire Emblem Engage as the other thing I've been playing mostly. And I still like that game. I like writing wise and character wise. It's definitely not as strong as Three Houses. It's kind of like generic uh high fantasy story but i don't mind that so much it's it's all right it's just something to like propel you from battle to battle which is fine because the battle system is really the highlight um and it's very good it's very fun to play and it's just something about like their ui and the like uh, weapon triangle system that they have that just makes it way more appealing to me than most uh like tactical strategy games like Mm -hmm. even something like 
uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. Like, I didn't stick with that game all the way through. I kind of liked what it was doing, but, like, I didn't play it all the way through. Whereas this one, uh, like, the Fire Emblem series, like, something about it. Like, they just have, like, a secret sauce to the combat, I think. Um, and, like, half the characters work for me and the other half don't. So they're, they definitely don't have as good a hit rate on, like, the, the writing for the characters uh, as they did with Three Houses. But um, I'm still playing it, still enjoying it. So I will, I'm going to try to finish that before Atomic Heart comes out. But uh, what have you been playing watching? I have been... Uh, Zach, we talked a lot about Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and stuff. I have for a while been preparing a campaign for my friends and I have decided to switch over to Pathfinder second edition. So I've been rebuilding my campaign in, uh, Foundry in Pathfinder. It's been very rewarding and fun. Uh, so I've been doing that a lot of evenings, but I've also been, Watching a lot of dumb isekai animes. Uh, for those that don't know, isekai is uh, the classic, like, a guy or girl uh, goes, like, basically is, like, a person in Japan and then either gets killed or, like, falls through a portal or something into a magical land where they're, like, uh, very overpowered. And it's, like, very relaxing to watch. I started watching this one. <laughs> all these All these have really crazy names also. But the one I started watching is called, actually, I'm going to, let me uh, pull this up real quick. The description is very funny. So I've been watching Campfire Cooking in Another World with My Absurd Skills. <laughs> and this says, uh, basically the plot of it is a guy is just a normal loser in Japan. And then he gets summoned into a fantasy world. But... Uh, he's not like a fighter or anything. And he, much like all most isekai games, uh, when you're in the fantasy world, for whatever reason, it's like you're in an RPG. So you can like pull up a menu and see your stats and stuff. Hmm. That's true, like across most of these. Um, the, uh, another famous one is That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime is a very popular one right now. Uh, it's very similar in setting. But in this one, he has a unique skill. Like he gets summoned with three other people and like one person has like a super powerful skill and another person has a super powerful skill. And he looks at his skill and his skill menu and it is called online grocery. And he's like, Oh, that's interesting. I'm just going to like take off. Uh, and the King of that country is like, yeah, you don't really, you can't really, uh, fight. So we're just going to give you some gold and pretend you're not from another world and just live in our world. And he's like, okay. Then he discovers his skill is that he can basically go on the internet and buy things from an online Japanese grocery store. And so he starts to do that and he starts to cook for people. And everyone is like, man, your cooking is so good to the point where a magic dire wolf approaches him and is like, hey, you cook so good. You should do a, a, contact, a contract with me and always cook me food. And then I'll be like your pal. And so this the progression of this is basically just like every episode, something kind of happens. He cooks like a really good, like well animated meal that makes you really hungry with products. I think that you would find in a real Japanese market, like it's branded stuff uh, that probably people in Japan are like, Oh yeah, I buy that all the time. Uh, but then like these people in other world are just like, man, this like ginger curry sauce is so delicious. Your world is so crazy. Japan is such a great place. Um, but uh, it's, it's good. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it's just a weird show that I'm enjoying watching. It's very relaxing. I watched that um, that time I got reincarnated as a slime as well. And that's also just like, these shows are basically just a guy goes into another world and is just like OP for every episode. And people are just very impressed with him. Another one I've been watching is called uh, Handyman Saito in Another World. And this one is just a, a handyman guy gets put into another world and people are always like super impressed by him he's able to like pick locks because that was his job back in japan he like took a course about how to cook so he knows how to cook stuff um he just like does a bunch of odd jobs and in our world it doesn't really mean anything but in this other world all this is like very important and good to have so like but uh anime is great I, i've said that before on the podcast but i love to watch it and it's uh it's great <laughs> Yeah, so I think you have 
some parting wisdom because I actually see it written down yes. for the very first time. Uh, I have actually prepared in the history of us doing this podcast. <laughs> I'm all about uh, Pathfinder, as we've talked about it for the past couple weeks, and Paizo, who make Pathfinder as well as Starfinder and things like that. Uh, I think they sold out of books, <laughs> so they did so much business because Dungeons and Dragons was doing all that shady stuff. They're out of books, so they've partnered with Humble Bundle. And for like $25, you can get like $400 worth of Paizo stuff. Like it's all digital. So you can get a PDF of the core rule book as well as uh, like their bestiaries. You can also get the great thing about Pathfinder is they publish adventure paths. So an adventure path is basically like everything you need to run a pre-made campaign as well as like assets and stuff. And the cool thing about adventure paths is they're importable into Foundry. So, like, if you get Foundry, and then you also have this Humble Bundle where you get, uh, I think it's called, like, Abomination Vaults is the uh, the adventure path that they have bundled with this thing. You can import in uh, Abomination Vaults into Foundry, and it loads everything. So, like, all of the NPCs populate, all your NPC tokens, all of the maps populate with, like, pre-made walls and lighting and, like, traps and stuff. You don't have to make anything. It's all pre-built. So, if you're looking to just, like, like if you're a dungeon master who doesn't have a lot of time and you just want something to work, basically a turnkey version of something you can control for your friends, um, it's, like, a crazy value. Usually, the core rule book, which is a dense book, like, I have the physical version of it, and it's thick. Uh, the, the core rule book for... Uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition is usually like 20 bucks, but for 25 bucks you get the core rulebook as well as like 17 other things, a lot of which are importable into virtual tabletops. So if you're at all interested in Pathfinder 2E, pick this up because it's hard to find digital copies like Paizo watermarks their digital stuff and people don't really share them around as much. With Dungeons Dragons you can pretty much just search like uh, like Waterdeep Dragon Heist Adventure PDF. And you'll find like PDFs that people are hosting on sites. And you can just download them and you don't have to buy them. Not, we're not advocating that. And you should not do that, actually, because uh, that's piracy. But <laughs> uh, Paizo is much better about that. And I think people respect them more. So there's not as much stuff hosted. Also, a lot of their stuff is free online. You can just go to like Archives of Nethys and all the stuff is just available for free. But this is a really good value. And uh, I don't know what charity they're bundling with. Uh, Humble Bundle always does something for charity, but I don't know what the charity is with this one, but I'm sure it's good. Um, but it is also an amazing value if you're interested in Pathfinder 2E. Definitely pick this up. I don't know how long it's running for. I think it's running for like two weeks. But um, yeah, that's my parting wisdom is to check out uh, the Paizo Humble Bundle. Okay, and I'm pulling up the list of what's coming up. Oh, yes. This is a good way to end the podcast, actually, is uh, looking forward. You know what? So, number one on that list should be a Silk Song, maybe. Well, yeah. But, I mean, we don't know when that's coming. That It we could be at knows? any time. It could be next week. It, could, it be could be December 31st. We don't know. It could be next year. I mean, it's probably this year, as we talked about. But So, it, it's a new month. We are in February now. So, let's uh, let's go through these releases. We got... Hogwarts Legacy coming on February 10th. Neither of us are Harry Potter fans, so we'll probably pass on that. And then there's Blanc. We a little bit talked about that. Blanc. Blanc seems like a cool game. Wanted Dead. Have you heard of this one? It's like a Ninja Gaiden-like game. No. Uh, It looks a little bit cool. I don't know if this is up my alley or not, but I will definitely watch some of this. That's coming on February 14th. And then uh, Tales of Symphonia Remastered coming to Switch and PS4 on February 17th. Uh, Wild Hearts. Uh, this is that um, Koei Tecmo sort of Monster Hunter-like. Mm. Uh, they're known for like the Warriors games, you know, but the, this time they're going for like a Monster Hunter style game. Uh, it seems kind of cool. Uh, I don't know if it's just because Monster Hunter Rise just came out recently on game pass and like on the next gen consoles but i feel like i've been seeing a lot more of people being like oh yeah monster hunter is still cool and now we got this (laughs) wild hearts game coming up but uh and then atomic heart which we just talked about and like a dragon ishin coming on uh, february 21st 
And then a game called Clive and Wrench, which is like a 3D platformer, sort of a collectathon uh, Banjo Kazooie style game. Ooh. Coming on PS5, PC, Xbox, and Switch. And then Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe coming out February 24th. Um, I, I was on, I forget which website it was, but they had a poll and they're like, what's, what's the, like of five games, what's the one you're most anticipating coming in February? And somehow Kirby won over Atomic Heart and Like a Dragon Isshin and some of these other games. I was like, really? But I guess people <laughs> love, love some Kirby. Yeah. I mean, you can buy a plush of Kirby. Can you buy a plush of the guy from Atomic Heart? That's true. Or you could probably buy a, <laughs> buy a plush of like some random, uh, like maybe even enemies in that game. Yeah, I I I think it's going to be really well received. I'm excited to see uh, more of that game and if it does like blow up. Yeah, I think it could be. It's not a sleeper hit because like people are aware of it, but uh, then Octopath Traveler two comes out on February twenty fourth. Uh, Destiny two Lightfall. On February 28th, sadly, we are done with yeah. Destiny. Uh, I'll but, maybe watch someone play it, but yeah, I don't think I'm going to be... Especially now that Stadia's gone, I don't want to yeah. re-download that. Yeah. Uh, although it would be, for you, cool to see running on your new PC, especially since you could get like the high frame rates that I don't think you've experienced yet. Well, I, I mean, I played it on... Well, I can't remember if I played it on Stadia when I had the Stadia Pro thing, so I don't think I ever got the 4K... Uh, high frame rate version. I think I only well, ever got the 1080p 30. Yeah, so it would be it would blow your mind to see that game <laughs> running uh, in 4K or not even necessarily 4K, but like 1440p at like over 90, over 100 frames. Uh, yeah, playing it with mouse and keyboard. Uh, Scars Above, which is sort of you remember that Remnant from yes. the Ashes game? It looks a little bit like that coming to yeah. PS5, PC, and Xbox on February 28th. Uh, so quite a bit of games coming in February. Look for us to be changing our uh, top 10 list pretty significantly, maybe. Yeah, with at least two or three of these games, I would say. And on that note, why don't you follow us on YouTube? Twitter, Instagram, at Starside Cafe. And we'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye.